the Stanford's podcast recorded live from the Stanford's Travel Writers Festival at Destinations, the holiday and travel show in Olympia. Conversation with Jonathan Laurie. Please welcome Lynn Hughes and Sarah Lee. Well, welcome everybody to our opening session, which is about how to become a travel writer. Um, we are all working travel writers. We've been in the game for ooh, 10 or 20 years each, so that's about 60 years worth of experience we can share with you today. Uh, how we're going to structure it is we're going to talk to each other uh, on some key questions, and then at the end there'll be about 10 minutes for questions from the floor, and there'll be a microphone going round. And afterwards, over on the Stanford stand over there, there'll be a book signing by Sarah and myself. Uh, and Lynn, if you want to talk to her, will be on the Wanderlust stand. So that's how we're running it today. Just to introduce us all, um, I'm Jonathan Laurie. I run a training company for travel writers called Traveller's Tales. There are flyers over there about our courses in London. I've also written a book which is here called The Travel Writer's Way, which you can take away and do exercises in. I'm joined by Lynn Hughes, the founder of Wanderlust magazine, which is uh, the leading independent travel magazine, going from, currently going from strength to strength. How many years ago was it you founded it, Lynn? 26. 26 years ago yeah. and still going strong, so that's fantastic. <laughs> um, and Sarah Lee, who is an award-winning uh, travel blogger. Tell us a little bit about your blog, Sarah. Well, it's a luxury travel blog all aimed at helping you travel more, well, uh, stylishly but affordably. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So um, we've all been in the game essentially as journalists, um, but we can talk about, well, journalists and bloggers, of course, uh, we can talk about travel books as well if you like. We're going to try and cover all the ground. We've got a lot to get through, and we're going to start off really um, talking about our own experience a tiny bit. We're not going to give you our life stories, are we? <laughs> um, that was a bit of a then, warning look, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we, we're going to talk about how you write stories and how you gather material in the field, and then a little bit about how you write and pitch articles and how you set up a blog and perhaps make some money out of it. So that's quite a lot, so um, I'll kick off straight off. Um, the session's called So You Want to Be a Travel Writer. Did you always want to be a travel writer, Lynn? No, I hadn't even thought about being a travel writer, John. Um, but I did always have a passion for travel. I was very curious about the world. And so, but when, you know, when I'd uh, left school and so on, I was actually working in a, a very corporate role, in fact, uh, in the end for Mars, uh, Mars bars and all of that. Um, in fact, I was an official bounty taster once upon a time. <laughs> but, of course, that was quite exotic. So... Um, but I used to do a lot of business travel, and I would always make the most of it and always stay on and explore. And so I was always looking to see how I could combine that love of travel and um, that fascination with the world with my, you know, how to make it just part of my life. And so when 26 or, well, nearly tw yeah, 27 years ago, we were sitting on a plane and bored and started thinking about, um, we've started talking about how there was nothing to read and why were there no travel magazines. Suddenly, it just seemed so obvious that this was what to do. Why don't we start a magazine? And yes, and then of course, you know, well, how, where are we going to get the articles from? Ooh, well, we're going to have to write some of them ourselves. <laughs> it just seemed very natural. And yeah, so that's how I got into it. And what about you, Sarah? 
Well, I always wanted to be a journalist, and um, I was working as a journalist for many years. Um, and it's it sort of in news and features, and then um, I found myself in what turned out to be quite a dream job. Um, I was managing editor of um, magazines for RCI, which is a, another travel, a travel company. Um, and yeah, then it was circumstance that led me to the blogging, really, because um, both my husband and myself were made redundant just at the start of the economic crisis back in 2008, all at the same time. So um, we kind of, you know, looked around and decided, well, what do we love doing? You know, and travelling was definitely up there. We'd always travelled um, widely together and then brought my skills and his skills because he worked in communications. We brought our skills together and developed the blog from there, really. It was the time that people were doing a lot of that. Yeah. So, so there we have two stories mm -hmm. of people who got into travel writing sort of by accident, which is good news for you. If you're not a trained journalist right now, you also could get in sideways. And I think one of the things worth saying is if you're thinking of setting up your own travel blog or perhaps pitching for articles, um, the people in charge, people like Lynn, editors and so on, don't really mind where you're coming from. They're not interested in whether you're a trained career journalist or not. They just care whether you've got a good idea and can write it well. So um, there's plenty of hope there. Oh, absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Um, if you were starting out now, Sarah, like some of these people perhaps, um, what would be your top do's and don'ts? Oh, I think the main thing, the main do is to embrace Embrace the world with an open mind. You know, I think um, we can be very, um, especially today when there's a lot of polarisation that goes on in society, you know, we can be very sort of um, kind of stuck in a zone, you know, of what we think um, things are going to be like and what we expect of other people and so on. But actually, if there's one thing that travel teaches you, it's that people are people and, you know, they're very... Um, Fascinate. They're fascinating all over the world, and people are mostly friendly as well. So get out there and embrace it all with an open mind. Um, the big don't for me <laughs> would be don't enter it thinking that you're going to be on holiday all the time because it's far from a holiday. There's a lot of work that goes into travel writing and blogging. That's so true. Well. When you're on the road, you're hardly stopping at all, are you? Yeah, exactly. And it's really funny. I'm going on holiday next week, and people keep saying to me, "What a real holiday!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because when I'm working, I'm really working. <laughs> I, I have slightly that problem because um, usually when I go away, it's for an assignment. And actually, if I go away on a holiday, I get to the beach and then I think, well, what do I do now? What, what's meant to happen? Yeah. I can't, I can't <laughs> kind of switch it <laughs> Lynn, your top do's and don'ts for the, the beginner. Oh, gosh. I think it is finding the angle, and that's... You know, what are you good at? What are you passionate at uh, about? Um, because obviously, if, if you've got um, a certain interest, certain passions, then that is really going to help you. And that's going to help you when you're doing a trip, when you're thinking of writing articles, perhaps, you know, proposing articles to magazines or writing a book. Um, you know, w what is it that you would be bringing to it? You know, why you? And so if your interest is food or your interest is wildlife, if it's domestic animals, you know, is it landscapes, is it the great outdoors, is it activities? I'd say start off focusing on that and finding the angles in stories that reflect your interest. 
Well, actually, that, that brings me neatly onto my, my first really technical question, which is for Sarah, which is, how do you come up with new ideas for, for stories? Right. Um, I mean, a lot of it's based on um, the research or, again, an interest that I have in a particular destination. Um, but then I actually do a lot of... Um, I may well have an idea of something that I want to cover before I go, um, and then I'll do some keyword research because you know when you're blogging on that on the online side of things, actually thinking about the SEO of your work and you know your stories and your site is very important. Um, so sometimes I'll actually do some keyword research before I go, um, and other times I will just go there and see what I discover because I really do quite like leaving things to serendipity as well. And, and do you use Twitter for research? Oh, I do. Not, I actually am more inclined to just Google things, you know, and go on to um, tourist board websites and, you know, different travel guides and things like that. See what other bloggers have said as well, if they've been there. Yeah, so... And, and Lynn, presumably running a magazine, you have to keep on, on top of everything new that's coming out. Is that how you come up with your ideas? Yes, absolutely. I mean, Wanderlust is particularly about sustainable travel, what we call conscious travel these days. Um, we cover a lot to do with local culture, with wildlife, with walking. And so I scour social media, actually. It can be really useful. I do find a lot of stories and angles on there. Um, I also use shows like this, and so yeah, I'm here for all four days, and I will be talking at the quieter times of day, probably not on a Saturday, <laughs> but, you know, um, tomorrow morning, tomorrow, late afternoon. I'll be talking to the experts on the stands here, because I find that, you know, there is such a wealth of expertise here. So if I want to know what the latest situation is in parts of Australia, for instance, after the bushfires, if I want to find out, you know, what's really trending in the Balkans, if I want to know what the situation is, you know, how they, um, you know, what's happening about travel in Asia because of coronavirus, I find the best source of info is actually the tour operators, because of course they've got their ear to the ground, and they very for a show like this, they will have some experts on that stand. So, so there's a tip for people who are here for a bit longer than just this hour. Go around the stands and look for some interesting new things that are coming up. New travel product, new destinations, new activities, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And all of these, there are so many specialists here. They will be launching new trips. They'll know about new rail journeys. They'll know about new flights. You know, this is how I find out the trends. Thank you. And, and Sarah, you talked about doing quite a bit of research. When you actually get on the ground, how far do you stick to the plan that you've researched or how far do you kind of wing it and let it open up? I'm often on quite a scheduled, quite an organised programme because when you go on um, press trips and things like that or you're working, as I often do with um, destinations and brands on projects, um, you know, it's usually quite a fixed um, schedule. Um, but if I can, it's always lovely as well. It's always great to be able to spend some time going off and exploring on your own. Um, sometimes that time's a bit narrow and a bit limited, <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, and then it's really good actually as well to speak to local people and get um, tips from them as to, you know, where to go or, or actually sometimes they just give you um, information on something you would never have discovered otherwise, something quite, an, you know, quite an unusual experience or... So know, do you build like in that. some extra time for that? 
If I can, yeah, I do. You know, quite often, like I say, the trips that I take are quite fixed, you know, but yeah, if where I can, I definitely do. Have you, have you ever had an, a, a, an assignment or a trip that started to go really wrong? And, and how did you fix that? <clears throat> I think most of mine, actually, where it's gone wrong has been when I've been partnered with a destination or brand on a blog project. And it's actually probably because that area of work is relatively new still and they're developing that understanding of how it all works still and so um, I've finished a whole week in a destination um, and then at the end of that time you know after we've all been doing social media um, up updates on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it under a certain hashtag they then said oh we were thinking can we change the hashtag <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's, it's done. <laughs> it's all out there. You can't change it now. Um, and then, you know, I've also worked with a destination and um, an airline together and um, put it, we, they put us in a hotel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they put us in a hotel where then we weren't able to write about that hotel because they weren't actually um, use, selling that one within the package. And I'm like, but what was the point in all of that? You know, so often it's kind of wasted opportunities. And so in my, part of my role as well, I often ends up educating, you know, the, um, the, the brands and destinations that we work with about how best to work with um, bloggers as well. I, I, I had one that started to unravel when I got out there. So I was flown to Botswana by the Jeep Corporation. They were launching a new model of Jeep and they were taking a bunch of journalists, each in their own Jeep, uh, to drive around Chobe, which is a great game park for elephants. Um, and we all got out there and the night before we're all ready and teed up to go and the Jeep guys come in and say, actually, the park is closed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What are you going to do? You know, you're, gonna, you're not going to drive your Jeeps, you're not going to do anything. So, you know, things do go wrong. Oh. I, I managed to persuade them to take me to a different park and they had to set up quite a bit of logistics. But I got something. And in the article, I didn't mention the name of the park. <laughs> Lynn, looks like you had one. Oh, well, so many. But uh, one that happened to a member of the um, team who was a new member of the team. Um, quite a few years ago, where she was um, invited to a region of France and it was to do um, walking with donkeys. And the idea being you followed in the footsteps of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. And um, so it's very family friendly, you took a donkey with you, carrying stuff. It sounded brilliant, you could see the story. And so, first trip, I was going to send a junior member of the team on. She came back, long weekend, I said, How was it? She said, there were no donkeys. <laughs> no. I said, what do you mean there were no donkeys? So no, we were going round in a white minibus and they took us to the, they pointed out the places people would walk with the donkeys. Oh, I, I, yeah, I saw red. I'd, um, she hadn't done anything about it when she was there, of course. She was very yes. polite. So I got on the phone to the tourist board and I uh, said about this. And they said, oh dear, we'll, we'll look into this. I said, well, you appreciate we won't be able to write a story. Oh, why not? Well, there isn't a story to tell. There's no donkeys. They said, we'll send you photos of donkeys. <laughs> I said, well, if I wanted photos of donkeys, I could go down on the road and get photos of donkeys, <laughs> you know. But um, some tourist boards, unfortunately, you know, they, they're kind of ticking a box, maybe. And um, one that I was on was to Poland. And they wanted to do, um, do a, me to do a wildlife and nature story. 
and it was myself and another journalist, and um, we had this whole retinue with us of uh, tourist board people, translators, and I think to them it was like, oh, this is great, we're going to have a few fun days out and about drinking vodka, and, which they drank a lot of, and having nice meals. We were turning up at national parks in the middle of the day, and of course anybody, and it was August, you're not going to see birds and wildlife in the middle of the day in August. I was getting more and more frustrated, and it got to the last day, and uh, well, the last 24 hours, and we were actually staying on the edge of a national park. So I said, right, I want us to do a nature walk at dawn, because that's the only way we're going to see anything. So um, they arranged this, and it caused lots of problems, because the park rangers didn't get up that early. So in the end, we went out with a park ranger at dawn, and he was just going along whistling and singing. I wanted to throttle him. And so I had a go via the um, trans translator, and the translator came back saying, well, he says it's not the Serengeti. What do you expect to see? <laughs> I thought, well, this is great. You know, here's a ride to nature story. So when we got back, I was furious. So I got the tourist board people together, and I said, right, um, I want you to find me a hunter. And the hunter, I said, yes. Um, we've seen no wildlife, we've been here five days, six days, we've seen nothing. And the only way I'm going to write a story is if get a decent guide. And I heard you say there is hunting on the outside of the park. Those hunters will know where the wildlife is. I want the best hunter in the area, without a gun, obviously. <laughs> so a hunter took us out. He didn't let the tourist board people come with us, or any translators. Um, and he just took us up into the forest. He couldn't speak English, we couldn't speak Polish, myself and the other journalist. We had a fantastic couple of hours with him. And I wrote an article, I've got my article, and it won a prize as Best Wildlife Article of the Year. So um, those are the sort of things you have to yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a real glimpse into what Sarah said at the beginning, which is it's not a holiday, it's a working, a working <laughs> trip. Um, and there are a few lessons in that. One is you should know what you're trying to get. Presumably you were trying to see certain bears or whatever. Yeah, and we knew there was a small chance of seeing bears or wolves. But with the hunter, we at least got to see tracks oh. and, where, and claw marks. And we could get the atmosphere of the forest. So you need to have a sense of what your story needs to, to cover. And then if it's not happening, you need to do some legwork to make sure you get that material. I think that's, that's the key lesson I was just going to say as well, yeah. you do need to be able to adapt. You know, if, that, if you need to... There needs to be a story, you know, um, to what you're seeing, what you're doing. And if there's no story there, then you've, you've got to cut, cut that one, you know, cut it dead and move on and try and, you know, adapt to find something. And that was brilliant, though. You've made it work. So, um, so, so the bad news there, the bad news there for Guinness is that this kind of trip is clearly different from just going on holiday and hoping that a story will appear on day three. It, it doesn't happen like that. They're usually thought out in advance, as Sarah's illustrated, and then worked on hard, as, as Lynn has suggested. Yeah, it is hard work. One mustn't expect that. And um, Thursday, for instance, I was here all day at the show. We had awards. We had all sorts of things going on. I went to an after-show thing here. But then when I got home, I didn't go to bed. I had a deadline of something that I hadn't managed to finish the day before. And so I was up till 2.30 in the morning finishing that and was then having to get back up again at 6 
to be at the show again yesterday morning. And that's the way it is. If you've got a deadline, you've got to hit it. Oh, absolutely. If you've got a deadline, you cancel the dinner party and you just yeah. write the article. I hope you're all feeling really sorry for us right now. <laughs> it's a tough life being paid to go around the world. <laughs> it's a tough job. It's it a is. professional job. That's all we're really trying to say. So you've done, you've done your research. You've done your trip. You found the bear claw marks or whatever. You get home. Um, Sarah, how do you start turning the mass of notes you've made and all the rest of it into a story? What do you do? <laughs> Drink a lot of coffee and procrastinate for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you need to break that procrastination, of course. And um, I find sometimes the best way is actually just to get some words down. You know, just uh, as long as I've got the first 100 words or so down on the page, then it will flow. And even if you need to come back to those, um, that beginning again later on and rewrite it or edit it, you know, it's, it's there. It's a start. And before you start that writing, do you have like a little list of the points you want to cover or some, yeah. some structure? I'll definitely have some um, sort of structure to it, yeah. Um, and I will, of course, as well have done, if I haven't done it before I went on the trip, I definitely have done some keyword research because on the blog side of things, that's all important. Um, just to, you know, see what people are interested in, what are people searching for? Um, and, yeah, it's... Yeah. And how do you find your openings, your introductory paragraphs? Introductory paragraphs are so important uh, in any article because they are the things that really grab people's attention, draw them in. And so I find I get quite obsessed with them. And on a trip, I'm thinking about them all the time. And sometimes, I, I mean, I tend to have a tendency to open an article with a quote. It's something I do a lot. A quote from a person a you've met out there. A quote from a person um, that I've met. Um, don't always start articles that way. But I do find that sometimes, you know, I've, I've met somebody, or I'm with a guide, I'm, I'm kind of interviewing somebody, and um, they'll say something, and I'll think, oh, gold. Ooh, that might be the opening, you know. Um, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And what I do is I always take a notebook. Um, I just like a little pocket one. But that will be full after three or four days. And I do write down people's dialogue, for instance, uh, as much as possible, capture it. And, um, or if I have an idea for an opening that might not be a quote, I'd still put it in there. And this is absolutely essential. I transcribe the whole thing when I get back. Um, because you never know what else you're going to need. Because in reality, you're probably not going to get just one article from a trip. You're going to end up over time getting several. So this is vital. And then, as I say, sometimes I'll come back, I'll know my opening, I'll be so excited about it. Other times, I'll do what Sarah does. I'll have, I know the points to get in the article. I think, well, I'll just plunge in. And then as I'm writing, it'll become apparent, maybe, what's, what I'm going to open it with, just to set that scene. I love starting um, stories with quotes as well. Um, for what I, I do, a lot of the stuff that um, we have on the blog is quite fact-based. It's quite, um, you know where to go, how to do things, quite guide-focused. Yeah. But then we do have some narrative pieces, and I think for narratives, it's really nice to um, start with a quote and maybe some descriptions of that person, you know, um, maybe the way that he looked at you when he said something in particular. You know, it just adds some um, character and some colour to it all. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yes. Um, 
that Botswana story that I was talking about, I actually opened it with a quote, and it was one of the um, instructors on the off-road driving thing, and it just started with this voice, the article started with this voice going, just drive the Jeep off the cliff. <laughs> So, so yeah, exactly, you, you had a bit of suspense there People as well. People want to know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? What's happening? <laughs> you do it. I think one of the great um, tricks you can use with travel writing is to put in what we call predicament. When you get into a little bit of trouble, um, every kind of travel uh, involves some kind of things going wrong, and they're really useful bits of material. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was talking with uh, uh, one of the great travel writers called Colin Thubron, and he said whenever anything goes wrong on a trip, Part of him thinks, oh, no, and part of him thinks, oh, yes. Gold, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what about endings, Sarah? How do you find the ending to a story? <sighs> That's the tough bit as well, really, isn't it? It's just rounding... I'm, yeah, I do struggle sometimes with rounding things off, you know, but um, it really, so I think, kind of go back to the beginning and see where, where you started, what was the, um, the point, you know, the, the structure behind it in the first place. The other thing is that um, some of the best travel stories actually have a thread that runs right the way through them from beginning to end. And so by the end of it all, you still want to be referring back to, you know, that person or that, you know, with the, or, you know, um, you saw, say, with your Botswana one, for example, you know, you saw the cliffs ahead of you at the end and you thought of Felma and Louise, but yeah, yeah you yeah, just that, drove that back. Was, that was yeah. pretty much the ending, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think that's so true because a lot of travel articles have a sort of quest behind them, a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So you go to Botswana to learn to off-road drive or yeah. to see elephants or yeah. you go to Poland to see a bear. So the ending is whether you did or not. Yeah, oh, very much so. Um, one I, I wrote that got an award was um, in Namibia and I'd gone out to get to a rhino story and everything went wrong that could go wrong on that trip. And um, I was meeting a, a legendary conservationist and on the first morning when I said to him, oh... Um, you know, so when do we get out and do the rhino tracking? He said, oh, we won't be doing any of that. And I was like, what do you mean we won't? No. He said, because we've got a circus with us. And what had happened was, for various reasons I won't go into, we had a film crew with us and people from the Ministry of Tourism. And he said, no, there's too many people. Uh, we're not going to do it. And I thought, oh, no. I had this very stressful few days. And then um, he was determined to find, on the last morning, we'd got rid of the film crew, we'd got rid of the, um, the ministry people. So he was determined to find me a rhino. So he had trackers out and everything. So I started the story. The story in the end just covered about a three-hour period. And it started with him exclaiming something like, Rhino pee! And, um, and then it says, you know, he explained about rhino urine. So I set the scene for the rhino tracking. Then I, I keep going back a bit, of, well, you know, giving the context of where I am, what's happening. And then we've got, you know, we're out looking for the rhino and I go build up, build up, build up. And then of course, the very last paragraph is, hurrah, you know, the radio crackles, the track has found a rhino, we go, there it is. So, so your, your purpose yeah. had succeeded. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, sometimes it doesn't. We sent somebody out to go, um, find uh, gorillas in Gabon and uh, he was there traipsing through the jungle for days didn't see them and you're into that situation again what do you do with the story mm. but in the end it was a great story because of course things as we all know they don't go right all the time 
So that becomes the story. And we actually called that story the gorillas that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> Good pun. Um, yeah. So let's move on a little bit. You've written your story theoretically, um, and you want to put it on a blog. So, Sarah, you, you run an award-winning blog. Yeah. Um, you're our expert on blogging, really. I'm aware that some people here might want to use a blog as just a, a journal, a travel journal, and other people might be thinking about a proper commercial blog, so to speak. Um, is there still room for new blogs in the travel world? I think there's definitely room for new blogs and new voices. Um, and also uh, just people focused on, on, on different things, you know, a different niche um, area or something. But don't be honest or any illusions that it won't, it, it won't be um, competitive. You know, it's very, <coughs> very, there's a lot of blogs out there. You know, millions really, aren't there? Um, thousands in the travel space. And so you have to do something that stands out. And again, it actually comes back to what you were saying earlier about um, writing about your passion. You know, what are you passionate about and what do you love? And if you can get that out there and it's well researched and um, lots of good information on, on that topic as well, then, you know, you should do well. And, and what's the simplest way for a beginner to set up a blog? Um, technically, I'd say um, it's I'd probably just go on to, um, to WordPress.com if it's just for a, for a journal or something like that, because that's already pretty much set structured, and you can just go on and choose the look and feel in terms of um, finding a theme that you like. They have all the templates, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, it's, and it's easy. It's kind of out of the box, and it's ready for you. Um, if you are looking at it as a commercial enterprise, then I would actually say that you need to start with a business plan, um, which is... Not, you know, not the blog at all, but a yeah, business plan, yeah. Exactly. Um, because, you know, the, the blog bit can come further down the line, but if you're looking at it commercially, you need to think about, you know, the, the usual things that any business needs to consider. You know, who are you targeting? What's your market? Um, how are you going to monetize that, that blog and so on as well, you know? Um, so, and how are you going to get out there? How are you going to promote it? Uh, and then once you've got those things figured out and you've got a plan behind you, um, then I'd look at WordPress and the different platforms and so on. First of all, I would go for WordPress.org as well in that case, though. So that's, that's something difference. to pick up that... Um if you haven't done this before, there are two sorts of WordPress blogs. WordPress powers 60% of the world's blogs or something incredible. Yeah. Oh, so they claim. Um, there's WordPress.com, which is a very simple type of site. Mm -hmm. And then there's WordPress.org, which you pay a little bit for, not very much. No, WordPress... Uh, but it gives you a lot more functionality. Yeah, so WordPress.org, they're both free, actually. WordPress.com and .org are free uh, um, bits of software that you can use. But with... WordPress.org, you have to have your own domain name that you've purchased, which are usually very, very affordable. Um, and you also have to have your own hosting package as well. So, um, you know, you'll go on and you'll pay for an annual package or something with a host. Um, that's not necessarily expensive either. You know, really and truly, the good thing about blogging is that you can get started with very, you know, very little. It's very quick and very easy to do, and that's why a lot of people do it, but not that many people do it very well, you know, or successfully. And, and if you wanted to get your blog noticed, some simple tips. Yeah. 
Um, first thing you, you have to do, if you're especially um, if you're ha um, having a self-hosted so a WordPress.org site, um, is you really do need to be thinking about your SEO from the very outset and the structure of your site, um, making sure that it's clean and it's easy to follow, and also that your hosting offers you what you need. Um, so it needs to be um, quite fast. You know, your site needs to load quickly. Um, all of these things will mean that you're going to, your stories will get found. Your site will get found on, um, on Google and other search engines. Um, that's really where a lot, of, um, a lot of it's at right now, I'd say, with blogging. Um, a few years ago, a lot more people were using social media for, to drive traffic. But it's, it's become very, very much uh, sort of complicated getting traffic from social media now, you know, as um, it's all about boosting and paying for, um, for people to click through and things like that. Um, and then the other thing is just to um, get out there, get out and meet people, do events like these and, um, you know, go and meet people in the industry as well. I'd say go to lots of industry um, events too because that gets you known. And also guest posting, that was the last thing actually. Yeah, posting on other people's sites is useful. But I'm guessing that at the heart of it is have, have an interesting topic that you are the person that people come to for a specialism of some sort. Yeah, it is. I mean, a specialism, something that you love because you have to love this whole thing because otherwise you'll, you'll lose your interest in it very quickly because it's a lot of work. Um, especially on the blogging side, I'd say, you know, I've never worked harder than I have in the past um, 10 years than I did in, you know, the whole of my career before that. Um, so you have to be passionate about it. You have to have a level of expertise. Um, and, yeah, do something that somebody else can't do. You know, be able to offer some, some insights that other people can't, and that will serve you well. Thank you. And, Lynn, let's move on to the more traditional area of writing articles for magazines and newspapers. If someone was starting out, what would be your sort of top tip for making their way? Um, You've got to be thinking um, about who you're writing for. So not about yourself, which is the biggest mistake that so many people make. Oh, I'm going off to blah, and I can write an article. No, who do you want to write it for? Who have you got on your sites? You know, other particular, for instance, magazines and newspapers you would like to write for. Who is that audience? Because you've got to write things, and you've got to pitch things with people in mind, with certain people in mind, why would they want to write what, uh, why would they want to read what you're going to write? It comes, you've got to turn it around like that all the time. And so when you are pitching in, for instance, to a magazine or a newspaper, you've got to be thinking, um, as I think I said earlier, why, why you? And you've got to be thinking, why now? So, for instance, if you really want to get going, you might think, okay, um, what's the European city of culture going to be next year? Uh, does anybody know, by the way, European capital of culture for 2021? Novi Sad in Serbia is the answer. And, uh, yeah, I can see Elizabeth smiling because she's already been there to do the story for us. <laughs> and um, that's what you've got to be doing. You've got to be thinking ahead you've got to be finding angles. You know, is there a television series coming out? Something might be tied into 
Um, is there a big event happening? You know, you'll have seen probably yourself, there's been lots of Japan stories over the last year. Um, because of um, the rugby, because of the Olympics coming up. Um, so you're always looking for angles for stories. And again, if you've got a particular interest, where, whether it's in part of the world, whether it's um, your hobby, your passion, how, do you, how can you bring that into it? So be thinking angle, be thinking timing, and be thinking about what you can bring to it. Is there something extra that you can bring? And um, one thing that perhaps a lot of people don't realize as well is a lot of magazines and newspapers will have guidelines for submissions. So do look on their websites to see if there's anything there to guide you and help you. And another one thing to think about is um, all magazines and newspapers have lots of lovely, big, colorful features, you know, um, that run on for pages and pages. But actually, when you're starting off and you're trying to get a foot in the door, think about the small bits, the smaller bits at the front and the back. A lot of the writers we use have started off doing these small pocket guides or something similar. So, you know, it's just being a little bit analytical about it and thinking, hmm, is there something there within that publication that I could actually offer? And, and very briefly, because we want to get to questions, um, what would a pitch look like? Right, a pitch. Um, you've obviously... The, the whole idea, the whole thing that the editor wants to know, we don't want to know about your education. We don't, as Jonathan said at the start, we don't need to know if you're a trained journalist or not. Um, as an editor, it's the story, it's the angle that grabs us. So when you send your pitch in, you've got to have that one clear story in mind. And your subject line should reflect that as well. Otherwise, your email might not get opened. Because certainly, if you're applying to the popular travel magazines, popular national newspapers, they are going to be getting hundreds of um, submissions a day. So you have got to be really clear straight away in that subject line what it is you're pitching. And then you should open up then with that story. What is the angle? Um, no more than a paragraph about it. You've got to, within that as well, demonstrate that you know the publication well. You know, for instance, which bit it's going to fall in. Say if you were going to pitch Novi Sad, Serbia, um, European City of Culture in 2021, you know, you might say to a publication, I see you do a short break guide each issue. This is my idea, for, obviously, for a short break guide. So show you know that publication. Then you can say a little bit about yourself. If you've been published before, have a couple of links in. Brilliant if you've got your own blog, because that can be a great way. Have a link to your blog so that the editor can see what style of writer you are and can see that you're serious about it. Thank you, Lynn. Um, that's enough from us, really. We've got about five or ten minutes for questions from the floor. We have a microphone running around. If anyone would like to put their hands up, the mic will come and find you and we'll try and answer your question. Yeah. Is that, yeah, is that, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 When, when you're starting up right at the beginning, how did you fund yourselves? 
How did we fund ourselves in the beginning? Yeah, exactly. A bank loan. <laughs> yeah. Another um, job? I, I do actually, yeah. A lot of bloggers also st- have a full time job when they get started and then they look to, um, you know, transfer from that over to working on their blog full time. That's a really great question, though, because I think it is something that people don't think about enough, especially when they're starting a blog. Um, you know, and, and it's something that is. I mean, we, I actually run uh, um, calls for bloggers as well, you know, people who can, yeah, and one of the things we, we say is, how are you funding yourselves? How are you going to make this a going concern? Because if it's a business, then you need to be able to fund yourself for maybe three years before you're going to start seeing money from it. Yeah. So maybe a part-time other activity or something like that. A lot of uh, professional travel writers have what they call a portfolio career anyway, and they do various things. Question in the middle. Hi there. Um, it is about blogging again. With SEO, I've tried to do different blogs in the past, and I think I found my my thing now. But with SEO and with courses, you said you run a course. When you're starting out, you see courses everywhere, and you see SEO this, SEO that. What is? Where do you start to learn SEO or the software? Because you could end up spending a lot on different things and it's totally wrong so where should I start with SEO yeah SEO that's is a difficult. big question yeah it's it's a really the trouble with SEO is that it changes every day you know um the things that they um they'll rank you for and the algorithm it changes all the time so it makes it a real headache um, there are some really good courses out there. Certainly, there's a couple of travel um, bloggers that I know um, who um, their, their site is Make Traffic Happen. Um, yeah, and they do a really great course, um, some, some books that you can download, and it's really affordable too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sounds like the key thing is to keep up with the latest developments, actually. Another question over there. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm a bit worried about Lynn's ability to find animals. And the way she resolves that by always finding a hunter or something. But there you go. So, um, uh, Chris and I travel with a wheelchair. Um, I'm the guy with a sore wrist. Um, and we go all over the place. And I tend to write, um, ironically, on the back of um, sick bags on aeroplanes, because it's the best place. I just scribble and scribble and scribble. My question is about length of blog because my blogs would be just like enormous because I do put it all down, often around crisis, often around where we find little corners of the world um, which other people wouldn't see because of my sore wrists and Chris in the wheelchair. It does talk for itself. So my question is, how long should your blog be? Okay. Um, there is actually no, no such thing as a long blog post, as in being too long. Um, I know some bloggers that write 10,000 word long posts. Um, it's nowadays that actually, if you can write a longer blog post of, um, say, 1,500 words as a minimum, then you're doing really well. And, but, but make sure that they're good words. It's, it's some, some strong, valuable content in there. Um, uh, I'd just say, how many sick bags is uh, 1,500 words? <laughs> I think... Um, it's worth bearing in mind that blogs and articles are short forms, essentially, because people's attention span for that kind of writing is quite short. Well, so, 
there is a resurgence in what they're calling the long form you see online now, maybe a couple of thousand words, but it's nothing like a book, which is going to be 100,000 words. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the secret is basically to split up your story into different themes and write four different stories rather than trying to cram them all into one. That way you, you get more stories out of it as well. But the thing is, I think that writing... When I started blogging, we would routinely write 300-word pieces, maybe even seven, up to 750 or so. <laughs> but now um, bloggers are writing much, much longer pieces because to rank on um, search engines, the search engines are looking for depth and um, expertise in it all. So, you know, you've, you, need, you need a lot of content to be able to do that, to show um, depth in it, yeah. Another question over there. Last question, I believe. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, my question is the following. When bloggers are pitching um, for publications and magazines for a chance, do you value more the number of followers or is content really king? Uh, no, content is still king. It's content and the idea. Um, but it depends. If it's... Obviously, media's evolving. And we work with writers and bloggers in different ways. And so, if, for instance, a blogger writes for Wanderlust, and I haven't really mentioned writing for online, because, of course, it's not just about the magazine anymore. It's the website. And we do use a lot of bloggers there. If they have got a following, that's great. And um, we might work with them in a slightly different way where we also want them to push it out as well through their channels. Um, but if somebody comes to us and they haven't got a very big following, but they've just got really good idea, we know it will resonate with our audience, then we're not so worried what their audience is. So I think the idea's got to come first. It's got to be a really good idea. I have to um, draw things to a close now. If you have more questions, Sarah and I will be on the stand just over there, Stanford stand, signing our books and talking. If you want, Lynn will be on the Wanderlust stand, which is in the central aisle over that way. Um, thank you to my guests, Sarah Lee and Lynn Hughes. I'm Jonathan Laurie, and thank you for attending. Mm -hmm.